Hey heroes, we are back with the second part of our Cataclysm Crew retrospective. Today we are having a Q&A with questions submitted by listeners. Thank you to everyone who submitted. This is a really terrific conversation and I am so glad that you all got to be a part of it as well as us. Next week we'll be starting a brief crossover with characters from all over Moon Harbor and some of our friends from Paradigm Academy. We recorded it a little while ago and are very excited to release it. And then, after that, we will begin our brand new line, which you all hear a little bit about at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the second part of our Cataclysm Crew retrospective. Alright, now let's switch to listener questions, and we are now down one Kai and up one Rose. Hello, Rose. Hiya! So, Rose. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, what factored into your choice to choose the Beast playbook instead of an official one? When we were deciding what to do for that last arc, we were going through playbooks. And I, I did have, I was thinking about maybe doing the Transformed instead. Like, that was on my radar as a possible choice. But I ended up going with the Beast because I wanted... Well, first of all, it's a really cool playbook and I wanted to support the creator. But also, I thought that the losing yourself track that it had, where every time that you advance, you get closer and closer to becoming the beast. I thought that that would pair really well with how our group was doomed. This is a question from Unknown to uh, to Jane as well. Uh, why did you pick the candle playbook instead of an official one? I believe the time around she was uh, she did her playbook change was close to when Max and Amber had left or they were getting very close to leaving. Um, and I remember looking through all of because it was just time for her to also like take a new playbook because uh, her story wasn't finished yet. But the the Janice really didn't fit because like her identity like flew out the window. But I'm sorry. No, I think everyone in CC should be apologizing to you at some point. Yeah, I, I, this was the, I, that just kind of felt like it was going to happen eventually. And by the time we got to the point where it's time for her to do a playbook change, it was like the Janice just kind of didn't work anymore. But I took a look through all of the other sort of like the quote unquote official playbooks. Um, and they also kind of didn't fit for where I saw her story going. So like I looked through the um, the the is it is it like homebrew fan made i don't know how but like the, the custom playbook that we that um that there's like a big google doc and i looked through all of them on um, the candle really stuck out to me uh because we had always sort of joked uh that uh lucy was the mom of the group and the candle just kind of felt like a mom playbook <laughs> one of the like descriptions of the candle is talking about keeping the group together when the little birds leave the nest and like when max and amber left i'm like yeah that that fits that's fair that definitely feels uh, appropriate for where Lucy's at right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tess, who were the uh, the creators of those playbooks one last time? Yeah, absolutely. So The Candle was written by Mrs. Pineapple Face, uh, who you can find at mrspineappleface.itch.il. And then The Wild Thing played using The Beast. Uh, the Beast was written by Lazarus as part of the Lazarus Initiative. And now moving to a question from Alice for all of you. Y'all okay? <laughs> no. Doing no. great. Come on, Tess is jamming. It's a really good question. 
now's an appropriate time to get like on the record i don't know if we talked about this last time about how like we're in the middle of recording like a really dramatic moment in like the solstice finale and elite just pops in going are you winning kids and was like no are no, you winning not. son uh i would like to uh, uh use this time to uh officially ask uh tess to pay for all of my therapy bills let's put it on ben's credit card <laughs> I hate that running joke so much. So good. It's such so a good joke. Like speaking speaking of the joke, how much did the team spend on Ben's credit card? That one comes from an anonymous. I don't know. If someone wants to go through and count, that would be great, but I have no idea. There's a lot of little stuff. Did we do any like really, really outrageously big purchases? No. But we did give the card to Squire. It was a lot of food for the team. Like, I know I counted up the number of pizzas. It was like four or five different times where you all ordered pizzas for the group. Uh, you paid for coffee and smoothies and bagels at a few different points. So I'm going to say we're probably looking at like 15 pizzas alone. That's going to be close to $200, if not more, depending on what toppings you got. So, like, I'm assuming we're looking at, like, a thousand-ish. Nothing, like, uncontrollable, but, like, bad. Yeah, that was my guess. Like, especially considering these are teenagers who, like, don't have jobs. That sounds like a lot of money. And that's still, like, a decent, like, chunk of change for an, like, adult with a job to pay off. But, like, it sounds, I think, significantly bigger to uh, the group than to the average listener. I mapped it out to where it was just about like between seven hundred and a thousand dollars that Ben has to pay back, uh, but then there was also twenty two thousand dollars in in fraudulent charges because a wreck, <laughs> like because Squire made it. Oh my oh, god! Yeah. Like they they <laughs> can easily just prove like this this forest land animal made these purchases. Okay, we're not going to hold you to it. That's great. I love uh, that. I feel like the credit card debt is going to be an arc in the adult. Blade of Sorrows uh, comic. <laughs> is this a bad time to point out that like Max is canonically rich? That's true. I mean, honestly, yeah, Clara is technically also very wealthy. Um, <laughs> that made the bit so much better. <laughs> oh, like, not only was Max rich, but Max's like mentor was Dixon, <laughs> who is even richer. <laughs> I am uh, both personally and professionally mad right now. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's how I like to leave people at the end of projects. That's the Moon Harbor motto. Uh. Going back to your earlier question, Crumpet, about like, are we okay? To be fair, and we might have mentioned this in the first part of the recording, there were many times where I would like say a thing and I'd be like, okay, so here's the repercussion. And especially in the last arc with uh, JPG, Jane, and Rose, one of them would be like, wait, but I have a suggestion. Let me make this hurt more. And they would, like, make it so much worse. I disagree. Oh, no, you can't. Rose. I leave that in the editing. <laughs> yeah, Rose, I have proof. I, I don't know what you're talking about. The Faces team can get away with saying they don't do that. Because they, we always talk about that in such a weird meta way that it doesn't go well into the editing. But CC so often it's like, hey, here's the thing I'm doing, and my rationale is I want to make my character suffer, and we just leave it in. Like, you're you're all masochists on main. I, I feel like no one can ever top Icy asking to take a powerful blow every single game. That's true. Yeah, no, JPG would be the one who would, like, push for pain 
like jpg was the one who's like okay but here's how you can stab ben specifically like here's how you could injure ben specifically rose would set paint up for the whole group and jane was a rarer but when jane like it was for the drama yep Yep. when jane threw something in it hurt yep it's all for the drama it is and I had a couple of particularly egregious examples during the solstice, and I'll be I'll be the first to admit that. I literally, I think I don't even remember. Uh, like I'm gonna need I'm gonna need the receipts. Uh, well, Rose, I have good news for you about this podcast called Moon Harbor Heroes, uh, and this line called Cataclysm Crew. You can go listen there. And there are receipts. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. What? Okay, I'll I'll take your advice. All right, this is our first plug. There's a podcast called Moon Harbor Heroes. <laughs> you may have heard of it. God. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard of Cataclysm Crew, what are you doing? I respect that, though. Yeah. Like, it's weird, but I respect it. Moving moving right along uh, from Fabi for Icy. What would Rascal King's name have been if they transitioned? Oh, my God. Okay, I think ultimately they would still probably go by Max, but I think that they would go through the legal name change and change their name to Amber just to annoy Amber. Oh, my God. Like, they'd still go by Max, but legally they'd be (laughs) Amber Myers just to annoy Amber. Fantastic. I guess a follow-up, would Rascal King change? Oh, yeah, I'd be Rascal Queen. Nice, nice, nice. I was always thinking Rascal Duchess. Ooh. Ooh. Right? Like, Queen is a little bit too on the nose. But we know we're going to be making that choice. We got to switch it up, right? And then on top of that, like, she could be so, like, indignant when somebody just assumes Rascal Queen. Ooh, yes. Okay, that's it. (laughs) Amber Max Myers. Uh, the Rascal Duchess. Oh my fucking god. That's so many syllables. <laughs> god, Vixen would pay for all of those name changes in a heartbeat just to watch Amber get angry. I feel like <laughs> then we could make the joke just like, oh, well, is Rascal Duchess going to get electric powers now that her name starts with A? I got a little taser claws, so <laughs> halfway there. All powers are electric powers if they're battery operated. Oh my god. Now, a question from Siobhan for everyone. Did your character's arc go anything like you thought it would? No. Gods, no. So what was what was the original arc? I'll say for me, no, because I didn't know where it was going to go. So I fully was just like flying by the seat of my pants for the most part. I knew it was like, okay, here's this girl who has powers, but doesn't know she has powers until she figures out she has powers and has to like stumble into being a hero. And that's as far as I got. So I, I everything everything past it has been has been a wonderful pleasant surprise. I feel like legacy Amber was more expected, but also at that point she was like, like I already knew more about who she was. But Scion Amber, I was not expecting at all. Like that whole playbook is about moving out of the shadow of like your villain parrot, and very quickly Amber was like, "Oh, what's up, Eminem? Hey, stopping by again? Like, oh yeah, just here to chill with my dad." Yeah, I mean, I think, like, so for me, because I had never played Masks before um, or any PBTA game. Like, this was my first time playing a Powered by the Apocalypse game. 
So I didn't even know how to think of an arc. I didn't have any plans because I didn't know that that was like a part of or an option to come up with. I thought maybe Monarch Man would play a bigger part in her story. But then like that all went out the window because of the ice, the whole ice and thorns plot was like way um, more like integral to the group. So I think like, I don't know. I think one of the cool things about the storytelling that we did was that like it very much bled off of each other. Like it, it was very much like all of our arcs were really changed by what everybody else was doing. As the GM, I can confidently say that I had a very clear arc in mind when I started the game um, because I'd never run a long-term masks game before. And so I didn't know, actually I had never run masks before, um, but like had never been in a long-term PBTA campaign. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to like get them to this plot. And that disappeared but elements of that plot did come back so for instance like the ice and thorns arc there was a plan from the beginning to have the mmm and saber and cataclysm crew kind of come into like a triangle confrontation there the mmm was swapped out from the for the crown of thorns which you know came from the mmm So we did end up getting to that place, but that's largely because people built hooks into those groups of people. The second arc genuinely had no idea where it was going to go. All I knew was that I thought Ben was going to be dead at the end of it, and then Rose loopholed him back alive. Yeah, full. I don't know if we talked about this in the first part, but all of us were going into that finale expecting Lucy to be the only survivor, and then we were wildly surprised that did not happen oh yeah i think i called tess afterwards and i was like how did ben die <laughs> like it was we were all so sure and i wasn't even part of it yeah i i think the three of us the four of us were kind of like yeah lucy will be all that's left after this is over <laughs> it, it was def it was a strong feeling coming into coming into that the end of that um oh and to answer your question before I honestly thought I was going to be on for, like, three episodes and it'd just be, like, a bit part. And and then we stole you. I, I had no... <laughs> I had no plans coming into this. And I was really just going to be... I, I, I honestly thought I was coming in, um, like, for... Just to be, like, kind of like a, like a hot, like, boy toy thing for Rose's character. And I was just going to, like, leave and then come back for, like, special stuff and then leave and then come back again. I did not think it was going to go this far, and, and and you all really let me run with it, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. Did you build Ben to be a character that would have, like, romantic arcs? Because Clara was not designed to be a romantic character at all. Yeah, I think that's why it made it so much fun, right? Because I always built Ben in the vein of... Uh, I, I built Ben in the vein of being so so anime just about all of his choices and about everything he says and does and and i I tried to build it off of tropes of like he's that flirty anime character that 
like people don't really take seriously. And, and you get to see that, especially in, in the very first few episodes uh, in that train fight. Uh, and then he evolved into like, oh my gosh, like I'm so I'm so in love with Clara, and like she gets me, and 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 uh, yeah, I think I always kind of aimed for Ben to uh, to to have some sort of romanceable arc. Yeah, that that definitely did throw a wrench in whatever plan that I did, whatever remnants of a plan that I had for Clara. There was ne- that was like the first time any type of like in-game romance had happened for me as a player Mm -hmm. too so like that definitely also threw a wrench in any plans that i could have had and and you know if if i can speak behind the scenes a little bit too especially at the very beginning when we started working together um we very much constantly checked in with each other about certain choices we made about certain things that we could say to each other on air um and uh like you know for this being the first time you've been uh, you've had a romance character in a game um, you made me feel very comfortable about it, uh, and uh, and yeah, like I I very much appreciated all the check ins that that you did with me, especially at the very beginning when we were still uh, like feeling each other out as players. Yeah, I feel definitely pretty good with how it turned out. I did want to ask you this though: if you didn't have romance like on the table for you at the very beginning, what do you think changed your mind? You know, it was probably when everyone was so into it, <laughs> like. <laughs> After that crossover, Tess was like, Clara, how's Ben? And I was like, I don't know, I guess she cares. Like, <laughs> And at that point, we had discussed, like, the three of us had discussed, like, okay, we might bring Ben over for, like, an episode or two and, like, reference him but not have you on permanently. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Icy and I were in the background being like, okay, so if we like JPG, we're going to keep Ben on permanently. Oh, just plotting? <laughs> yeah, yes. oh, oh, absolutely. No, like, after the very first session, I was like, hey, so, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to ask JPG to, like, just stay, right? Because we love him. <laughs> I, it, you know, we kind of just used this as a trial period just to make sure there was, like, any, like, weird glaring, like, oh, we just do not vibe at all. But no, from first session, it was <laughs> Tess and I were, like, on the phone plotting, like, okay, so... JPG is amazing, and we're keeping him. We did ask everyone if that was okay. Yeah. But also, yeah. I mean, we're doing the same thing, or we have done the same thing with other players before as well. Like, I don't know how publicly we want to acknowledge this, I see, but there are several members of Faces right now who were brought on with that same goal in mind. Yeah. And they're only going to be leaving Faces if they want to. That is true. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you guys did a really good job communicating with us where you were coming from on things. And, like, it definitely helped that there was, like, a reason for Ben to join the team. I'm sure we could have found another one, though. Definitely a good point. Moving on to another question, uh, this time from Josie. Uh, I'm not even fully caught up on all the characters, but I want to know their favorite TikToks. Now, Josie, we will forgive you since you're not fully caught up, but it is Jick Jock. Bothers me that everything that we uh, that we replace with a J just sounds just a little bit dirty, right? <laughs> what Moon Harbor is actually truly proven is that J is the dirtiest letter. It's Jesus. weird. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! Out of universe, uh, my favorite one uh, so far has been you know how that lady like backs up and like hits her back into that that. Uh, into the bedpost. Mm-hmm. Yes. She makes that really high-pitched yes. high sound. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's been my favorite one lately, so I think Ben would really enjoy that. In-universe. Tess, what was the name of the the food-based gang that we kept running into? I think they were called Talk About It. Oh, get out. Yes, okay, yeah. So, I think Talk About It has their own jick-jock where they just, like, make food, and I definitely follow it. Oh my god. That sounds delicious. Now I want tacos. Right? So, uh, I don't do TikTok because I know if I start, it's gonna take over my life and I'm just gonna be watching it all the time. Uh, and I know this about myself, so I'm not gonna get into it. Uh, so as an old person, uh, I'm gonna say Amber's favorite vine. Uh, Oh my God. It's the one where the kids are pillow fighting and it's like, Hey, 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 Brandon, watch the light, watch the light, watch the light. And then the kid hits the light. (laughs) It's the same energy as the one of the Krispy Kreme. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. I'm also going Vine for Max. Um and it's the road work ahead. Yeah, oh, I yeah. sure hope it does. <laughs> but I think the Moon Harbor version, after he says that, just an astronaut ship slams into the road and just shatters it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh no. Clara's uh favorite TikTok, like in our world, like if it was like a like a a real life TikTok is probably the video of the Amazon truck driving through a field and it has the Bo Burnham song in the background, like, come on, Jeffrey, you can do it, pave the way. And it's just the Amazon truck, like, driving into the woods. Mm-hmm. Because it's very, like, anti-capitalist and fun and silly. And I think Claire would like that. That's delightful. But I feel like she would probably be the kind of person that watches like her friends tiktoks and like not other people's that much like she's like not super into social media but she does it because she you know she wants to like be cool or whatever so she's probably watches uh uh max's tiktoks a lot especially because like they don't hang out as much probably anymore uh watching them so that she can know what max is up to oh i feel like Max's jick jock would be a bunch of like, especially after paragoning, a bunch of like a bunch of ones that are just like squire in like various like meeting business stuff at Eclipse, like ties and taking notes at meetings. Oh my god, yes, and like organized dance routines with squire and the robo raccoons. I can definitely see that being a thing. Oh, for sure. I think if there's any like very chaotic ones, I'm sure Lucy also watches them and then just texts them and just it just was a million question marks being like, what are you doing? <laughs> but the ones I think that she would like to watch in universe, which are also like out of universe also, are like the like ASMR videos of people packing like stuff for their small businesses because she oh has God. enough chaos in like her normal life. She needs to chill. Uh, but we're also talking about vines. I think also the Griffin McElroy, um, I don't understand this meme, and at this point I'm too afraid to ask. Also, it's Lucy energy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, for what it's worth, I think Squire has a jick jock, but not the one that Max runs. Um, and I think it's literally like Squire going out on her own and fighting like small crime. And and shopping sprees. Shopping sprees too, right? I mean, she doesn't have your credit card anymore, so maybe before she gave the credit card back before yeah she films like classic 80s like costume uh shopping montages oh my god that's where the twenty two thousand dollars in debt came from 
now we've got one for Tess from Alice. What was the inspiration behind the solstice? So, okay, here's the thing. I don't really remember. But Icy and I were talking about this, and a lot of arc one of Cataclysm Crew really related to and focused on Max, Amber, and Al, kind of tying their stories together because it was the like Saber Takedown and the like Scarlet Scorpion and all of that going on. And Francine and Calvin were introduced. Calvin had become a pretty like primary secondary character, but Calvin at this point knew Lucy's secret identity. So as a Janice, I needed somebody to actively be trying to figure out the secret identity to like fulfill the like J. Jonah Jameson in Spider-Man role. And so I was like, okay, well we've introduced Francine. Francine is going to be that person. And then Jane failed a role in that first session back. And I was like, fuck, how am I going to make her a bigger bad? So I came up with this idea that like, she was following Lucy for some magical purpose. And that led to the timekeeper slash time wizard having the prophecy. And then when it came time to figure out what the prophecy was actually going to be, I was kind of struggling as a GM because, as Rose mentioned, like, we brought Ben in as a love interest for Clara. And, like, there were some, like, other connections in the team, but Ben still kind of felt like an island. And I was like, how can we make sure that that gets connected? So I was like, okay, well, Lucy's thing can be related to souls. So it ties to Ben's magic. So we can, like, make that triangle there. And it kind of spiraled out from there. I'm pretty sure if I know myself, I came up with the name Solstice, the like S-O-U-L-Stice pun first, uh, and then built it out from there to like what it actually would be. I see and I had a conversation because she knows comics better than I do. And she was basically like, go bigger with this. Like, I had a plan, like, okay, well, like, Lucy's soul's important for whatever, like, small reason. And Icy's like, no, go bigger, go global on this. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I pushed it bigger and bigger and bigger until it was literally Lucy is the key to an apocalypse. Yeah, as you do. Yeah, you know, casual. Behind the scenes in Moon Harbor, just always assume I'm in Tess's ear saying, blow up the world. That is true. There is a game that I'm recording tonight where I had a concept and then Icy was like, go bigger with it. And I was like, okay, cool. So JPG, get ready for that. Oh, thanks, Icy. Love ya. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Going back to one from Siobhan for everyone. What is your favorite moment with someone else's character? Oh, God, that's so hard. The scene with Max and Vixen after Max broke into the pharmacy. And we find out that uh, Max is bipolar. It's really important to me to have representation. And so I see and I plan that moment out really carefully and really specifically. I am really happy with how it played out. And I'm really looking forward to more representations of mental health where that is not the core of the story, but it is part of the character. I really love that scene. Thank you for helping me with that. Of course. 
mine's kind of related because I can't remember if this session was before or after that, but it was when Max was like really struggling with like not being on medication. So it might have been before, but there was one where like like Amber came over to Max's room and he was really quiet and withdrawn. And like they just laid down on the bed together, like kind of talking, also being like quiet. And it was just like comforting each other. And it was really sweet. And I want art of that panel. Yeah, it was a beautiful scene. I remember how lovely that moment was. And that would have been right before. I think that was like the session before Max stole the meds from the pharmacy. Yeah, it was just this nice moment of like, you're not telling me what's going on. So I don't know how to like fully help you but I can be here for you and like sometimes that's all you can do and sometimes that's also all the other person needs yeah it was a I just love Max and Amber's friendship yeah I get teary anytime I think about it yep I need someone to come in and say something funny as their next favorite moments all the ones I could think of are sad unfortunately oh I need to hear yours Jane I need to hear yours there's one okay there's one that's kind of unlifting I kind of have like three sort of separate moments one is not even like a character moment but something that we've talked about before is that when we planned the saber takedown we i we don't think we had and like recorded this session but like a behind the curtain moment is that we actually like everyone who was a player and the gms at that time we sat down and we literally talked for like three hours as if we were actually the team about to plan this heist um and it was just I, I was just like that was more of like an incredible like team moment like team outside of the game moment i thought it was just super super cool Pre Ice and Thorns, or maybe it was around the time of Ice and Thorns. No, it was, it was either right before or right after Ice and Thorns. Uh, Lucy was struggling a lot with not feeling like super enough to be on the team. She had a couple of really lovely training moments with Max. Um, and that was my uplifting one. Um, but the sort of moments that really like stick out to me is probably just because like me as the player kind of planned it uh, was the what was supposed to be Lucy's final goodbyes uh, to Clara and, um, oh my God, why am I? Ben. <laughs> am I forgetting? Yes, the i'm so sorry that was awful uh, but yeah her final uh goodbyes to clara and ben i because i'm secretly very evil i was trying to make those as heart-wrenching as possible thinking that they were not going to make it out of it and they did so to be fair i cried at both of those goodbyes so um you did it good job i did too i i cry actual tears all the time i'm a cancer it's part of my nature <laughs> Uh, I would have to say any time uh, Ben had an honest conversation with Clara. They were often. so rare. Yeah, they were very rare. Still uh, like three times. <laughs> yeah. I just think, you know, the, this, this whole production has affected me to the point where if Rose ever has a character that falls in love with someone else's character, I'm just going to be personally mad. Don't listen to anything ever that I do ever. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just I'm just going to be, like, it, it's just, like, a little part of Ben and me is just going to be like, no, that's my girl. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, and I, I think uh, we, we've definitely crossed that threshold of, like, oh, okay, I'm just going to be a little bit jealous all the time now. <laughs> Sorry. I love that. That's so sweet. I'm honored that you put that you like put so much thought into our conversations and everything because I really did too. Like it was really I guess it was really important to me that we cuz you know the relationship wasn't necessarily the healthiest thing in the world all mm -hmm. the time. And so it was really important to me that we like 
did that in a way that was both kind to the characters and also like still showed that there was not that it wasn't perfect yes so i i mean i would end those sessions and be like oh my gosh i just got flirted with for three hours that feels so good about myself (laughs) (laughs) oh god you know it's interesting i feel like playing romance in tabletop games because there is like a certain amount of like yourself that you put into your characters but to me it doesn't really feel like there's always this kind of line that you draw in the sand um so if anybody is like i don't know sitting at home like should i should i play out a romance arc for my character i would just here's my unsolicited advice uh do it but also just you know make sure that your scene partners are comfortable and it's a lot like theater I think, I don't know if, I know a lot of the people here are actors, but like, you just, you just embrace it and embrace the vulnerability of it, but make sure you feel safe. Everybody except me in this group has been trained in some sort of theater art. Is that correct? No, I just lie a lot. Also, I wouldn't say most, I wouldn't say most of us are actors. I think Half half of us are technicians. I had to take a acting class in college and I hated it. Well, no, no, that's why I said like trained in some sort of like feature of theater, right? So like technicians, like you still have an understanding of of something that is going to be like played on stage or something like that, right? What I wanted to say on the romance thing is a lot of the conversations around those scenes end up like in Moon Harbor, at least end up on the cutting room floor. But those conversations happen constantly. And I think it's important to like just say that those happen. And if you're starting to get into like romance scenes, it can be awkward and weird. And those conversations should happen, even if we're not showing them here. Mm-hmm. And another thing that like doesn't get off the cutting room floor usually is how like we all just like crack up during those romantic scenes. Like, <laughs> like we just can't take ourselves seriously sometimes. There's just lots of, I mean, it's a game, right? So we're like, it's like, it's, we're just having a fun time. It's like, that's what makes it safe, right? Is that it's a game. That's what makes it, makes you feel protected and safe to explore those kinds of things. Yeah, like I would reach out to talk with Kai sometimes about like, uh, Alan and Amber, uh, especially like before we recorded when she broke up with him. Fucking devastating. Oh my god, that was my favorite moment involving someone else's character, by the way. I want to point out that Tess and I knew nothing about that. Nothing going in. Completely caught off guard by that. It was beautiful. I had reached out to Guy a few weeks before and was like, how would you feel if Amber broke up with Alan? And they were like, yes! (laughs) No, going back to what Rose said, like it is definitely all just a game. Though I definitely did make Delilah specifically so I could flirt with JPG. That that's fair, right? Because we um Delilah has has been I think to date, like out of all of the games that I do play, Delilah has been such like one of my favorite characters because she is so polarizing. Cause like you understand, but also like you hate her, but also you kind of like her now, but also you hate her. Right? It, it, it's just, you go back I disagree. and forth. I think you just hate her. 
Uh, Elliot just posted in chat, didn't I make Light Hammer just to flirt with Kai? Uh, no, I made Light Hammer just to flirt with Ryder. 50% flirt with Ryder, 50% piss off Icy, That's right? true. <laughs> that was the formula. <laughs> but, I mean, JPG and I love each other, and I flirt with JPG's wife more than I flirt with JPG, but, like, so, so much. much! Tess flirts with my wife so, so much, much, everyone! <laughs> It's a lie. <laughs> What's the worst is, and you know, this is like behind the scenes telling tales out of school. We're in a group chat together, and it's just me having to watch my wife and Tess flirt with each other. <laughs> it is the straight up worst. Which started because Ooh. JPG and I were having some like really frank life conversations, and I was like, I feel weird having these conversations without your wife. So then we like looped Alex in, and then it was like, okay, now I just hit on Alex the whole time. We're either hitting on Alex or making fun of JPG. There's no in between. Yeah, it's just been gross ever since. Just the worst. This sounds like a great chat. It's a really good chat. <laughs> and Alex. Oh, God. Uh, slight spoiler here. Uh, will be joining us as a regular fairly soon in Moon Harbor's release. So uh, you'll get to hear me make a character where I flirt with Alex. Oh yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna make your job as hard as possible. <laughs> Alex and JPG messaged me being like, "We're gonna flirt with each other so much," and I was like, "I'm gonna make a character so that doesn't happen." Oh yeah. yeah. And then Alex made a character choice where uh, she's obsessed with a character that is not JPG's character. <laughs> but we should stop with spoilers. I'm so sorry that I brought that up. <laughs> Quick, Crumpet, another, another question. Uh, another question, you say? Uh, <laughs> uh, for those, it is applicable to, because I don't actually know if uh, Blade of Sorrows and uh, Wild Thing took the advancement. Uh, what's it like having a character take that final advancement and become an adult? You cry a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of emotions, yeah. My experience yeah. is that you cry for about a week, and then you cry a little bit less. But you continue to cry. Yeah. It's like, it all seriously, it's like uh, some grief, like satisfaction, because there's a conclusion, like, yeah. I'm just a bundle of emotions of like, reliving that character's arc and loving who they are and how they've grown and oh it was great like max is not my longest played characters in role playing but max has the most like satisfying complete story of any character i've ever played in role playing and oof that like marking that final advancement that capstone it hit hard but it, it felt good like, it felt right to end, to choose to end the story. Yeah, and, like, one of the things that I like with PBTA is that since it's just right there on the advancement list, like, you see it all the time. Yep. Like, especially as you start marking off more and more advancements and your options become more limited, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And it got to a point where, like, Icy and I still had, like, probably, like, at least five more advances that we could take, but a lot of them just didn't feel like ones we needed to or wouldn't make sense. Right. So it was like, oh, yeah, it's it's time. And it felt like it narrative, narratively, too. Yep, yep. And on a GM side, knowing that those end of arcs were available there made me have a drive need, whatever you want to call it, to bring more characters in because I did not want to be the kind of podcast, and Izzy and I talked about this from the get-go, where, like, 
we have four characters, we play through their whole arc, they all leave, and we start a new line. I mean, that's what extended. Exactly. For. Yep. Yeah. We wanted to have that like smooth flow of okay, so this story is over, but we're carrying this person through, or we're carrying these couple characters through. And so Rose and Jane were brought on pretty quickly uh, in our beginning stages. One, because I love both of them as players and people, um, because they are like IRL friends of mine. Um, and also because I knew that like at some point, Amber and Max, and at that point, uh, Alan as well, were going to not be involved anymore. Right. And I didn't want there to be a full stop, this team finished, and now we're starting something new. Because I feel like for listeners, it's really hard to pick up momentum on and to carry momentum over on. I think one of the things that both helped and hurt with it was that we went together. Like, this mm-hmm. wasn't a single character like leaving this was uh and we knew very early on that whenever max and amber paragoned it would be together because those two are uh are like our unit it wasn't even a choice we made it was just we realized early on it's the only way it could happen yeah no matter what they did if they chose to leave the life it would have to be together uh god remember the nightmare where amber was the villain and Max was like, okay, yeah, if Amber's a villain, I am too. Oh, yeah, oh. that's some of the most honest roleplaying I've ever done with Max. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I do have to say that, like, Max, near the very end, um, because there was a point where, like, Amber kind of had a little bit more left to deal with in her story, and Max kind of didn't. And there was a point where he was very much a, like, support character. And I played him like that, because I knew that if he wasn't a character that should have left with Amber, he probably would have left earlier. Not significantly earlier, but like maybe five or six issues earlier, give or take. And I think you and I discussed like how kind of weird Mask feels when you mm-hmm. come back with a character that's aged out of it in that like one session we did where we were basically adults. Yeah, like the whole label shifting, it only works if your character doesn't know who they are. Right. And once they know who they are, like, that's such a major part of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, where the two of you came back and handily dealt with everything that was put before you. Oh, yeah. I mean, and like, it's it's hard to notice the slow power creep of your character. But like, by that session, we just succeed most roles because like we've gotten plus ones here, some plus one here. And like our total pool of numbers is just bigger. Yeah, and it also, like, between the two of them, like, getting such a dynamic, uh, it very quickly shifted into, like, uh, Rascal King was, uh, like, had, this, had like, savior stat high up, and then Rebel Rouser was more of a danger. So it became this tag team of, like, Rascal King saving civilians and then Rebel Rouser taking on the villains that right. worked really well together. Yeah, they were super, super competent, and that was cool, but it wasn't nearly as fun. Yeah, if you want to play competent heroes probably a different game <laughs> <Makes more sense. laughs> also who are you and why would you want to play a competent person <laughs> i'm not even a competent human being at this point oh like, my God. shut up competence <laughs> is overrated jpg might be the single most competent person i know so like fuck I, off. Yeah. <laughs> I was just i said it out loud and i was like wait 
Besides Dr. Jane, I might be the adult in this group right I now. have four more years. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cataclysm Crew has come to a close. And it was beautiful. What's next? So I guess I'll talk about this. Related to the whole, we didn't want to do a hard reset. We do have one character carrying over. In case you missed the post-cred scene at the end of uh, the Cataclysm Crew finale, it's very apparent that that character is Lucy. You're not done with me yet, y'all. Nah, not yet. We still got Lucy for a little bit longer. You keep trying to get up, but we keep pulling you back in. So Lucy is going to be spearheading the next iteration of Cataclysm Crew, but in air quotes, because uh, it is a new team and who knows what it will be. And so we've got some really exciting people joining us. So uh, four of the people on this call are involved in that. Jane, obviously. Uh, JPG, Elliot, and Crumpet will all be players as well. And I am GMing. Uh, and we are also joined by John John Johnson, who was in Aftershocks. Uh, he played Coda. And then we will also be joined by Alex, who is uh, JPG's wife, who was in our classics issue, where she played, uh, her character's name is completely failing me, but she played one of the characters from Inquest of Geek. Okay, she's Travail in the musical. It, uh, she is, spe- uh, she was Spellshock in, in, in that one. Wasn't she Spellshock's mom in that one? No, she was Spellshock's mom. She was real ruin. So that is our team right there. You'll hear more from them shortly because we will soon be dropping their character creation, session zero, all of that good stuff. But this is this is the beginning of a new chapter for Moon Harbor. And this line is going to be called Legacies because they all have a lot to live up to. Not just in terms of filling Cataclysm Crew's shoes, but also in terms of their own arcs. There are these huge expectations on their shoulders. So get ready for Legacies when it starts in just a few weeks. No actual Legacies are involved. (laughs) That is true. Like the playbook, I mean. (laughs) And one final not a question from Alice. Uh, Not a question, but just wanted to say thank you for such a wonderful show. I know so much work goes into making a podcast, and y'all are amazing. And I heartily second that. Aww. That's really sweet. My uh, 2022 goal is to actually play in the game with Alice in it. Alice is great. <laughs> yeah, Faye is pretty fantastic. They're not paying me to say that? No, and I mean, I probably talked about this in the last recording, but I want to thank all of you for playing in this, and for the communication in creating this world. Again, we talked about this a lot, but the safety mechanics that we had in place, they were important and they were useful and we talked about them at length. And there were times where we crossed a line and we had to like communicate about how to fix it. But we worked together as a team and really collaborated to make this world and make this world safely. And so I want to thank you all for doing the journey and going on it with me and pushing me to make it 
darker and harder and also funnier and lighter and bigger. And you all made this campaign so much more than I anticipated it being when it started. So thank you all for that. Thank you, Tess, for being our fearless leader. Oh, no, there was a lot yeah, of fear. Thanks for giving me a whole bunch of emotions, Tess, for the past <laughs> couple of years. Oh, How dare? How dare? I just got some text several years ago that was like, hey, do you want to join some game of masks? And here I am with my heart broken and stepped on and made so much better. And how could you do this to me? I got literally the exact same text message. I just wanted to trick all my friends into playing role-playing games with me. And now I'm a girl. <laughs> uh, Rose did not get that text. Rose got that in the car while we were driving to rehearsal. <laughs> I got that text and then two, or I got that conversation in the car and then a year later you were like, That's we're ready for true. you. You were on our very first guest uh, guest episode though. That's true. Mm -hmm. Nugget, never forget, always remember. If you haven't listened to that Halloween episode, it's delightful. And then JPG, I was like, hey, Lauren, I want to play with your people. Can I have Katie and Rob? And Lauren was like, you can have Katie and JPG. And I was like, who the fuck is JPG? Yeah, that yeah, that really burned you in the end, right? <laughs> Made one of my best friends. Like, how dare Lauren do that to me? Uh, okay, but no, in all seriousness, again, you all are amazing. And I know literally all of you are doing more Moon Harbor projects that I am GMing. So, like, this feels like a goodbye. And also, I have recordings with literally all of you this weekend, except for Elliot. Uh, so, <laughs> I will... <laughs> keep GMing for you all as long as you all want. I mean, it's a goodbye for some of the characters. Yeah, I'm gonna miss these characters. I'm gonna miss Squire. Let's be honest, Squire's the one I'm gonna miss the most. <laughs> I will play Anyone Can Wear the Mask with Squire as the hero. I still want to do a, like, Super Pets, like, one-off. And I've made it clear, I'm cool with other people playing Squire. I feel weird playing Squire. I don't know, it feels like a violation for me to do it. I made a homebrew game where you can play a dog, and I think we could have Hilda and Squire and all the pets, and it could really work. I threw out an idea for there's a raccoon uh, dating simulator RPG, uh, and I say and I talked about a few years ago. Oh, what if we had Squire go on a date? Yes. I forgot about that idea. Tess got me a role-playing game that's... Uh... You're all raccoons building a, a steampunk sky pirate ship to raid a house in a neighborhood. That would work well. I love this. This is where the $22,000 went towards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Except, except it's Vixen and Lynx's place. Oh my god. Wire breaks it and gets caught and Vixen's like, you have a fucking key.